Today, I'm joined by Caitlin, a dedicated mom of three who is grappling with the weight of sibling rivalry, parenting a sensitive and often attention-hungry firstborn, struggling with feelings stretched too thin and constantly worrying about not being able to meet all the needs of her family, let alone her own needs. Boy, does this sound relatable to parents and caregivers out here? Well, if so, you're going to want to tune into this episode where you'll hear me apply the 3D parent approach to help Caitlin unravel the complexities of her situation. Today, on part one of this recorded parent coach session, you'll hear me help Caitlin find her sense of direction as together we explore what's really going on for her, her children, and the underlying family dynamics that are contributing to her challenges. This is Certified Parent Coach Bevan Walters, and this is the 3D Parent Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast, episode number 94. And this is a special episode because it is a parent coaching, a recorded parent coaching episode. So today I have a special guest on the podcast who is a parent brave enough to be recorded during a parent coaching session for the purpose, of course, of receiving support for themselves, but also to be able to share this recorded session on the podcast so that other parents and caregivers out there struggling with the same or similar challenges can also benefit. So here's a little bit about my guest today. Her name is Caitlin, and here's a bit about Caitlin and her family. Caitlin is a mom of three. She has a firstborn son who is eight years old, a middle son who is six, and her youngest child, a daughter who is two and a half. Caitlin is a full-time stay-at-home mom and married to Mads, her husband of eight years. Together, they live in Redmond, Washington, where they live a busy life filled with school and activities such as soccer. They are fortunate to have Caitlin's mom living next door and a supportive circle of family and friends. Welcome to the Three Parent Podcast, Caitlin. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, great. Well, we're going to dive right in. I'm going to go ahead and read what Caitlin submitted as her current challenges having to do with sibling rivalry, something I know is very relatable for all of you out there who have more than one child. So here is what Caitlin sent me. My oldest is craving more alone time and attention than I feel I can give. He is taking out his frustration on his siblings, especially his younger brother. He is very dismissive and even insulting to his brother. Unfortunately, I have a very hard time sympathizing with my oldest when he antagonizes his siblings, even though I know this is attention-seeking behavior. I instead sympathize with my younger son and come to his defense fueling the fire of hatred between siblings. My oldest has craved attention since the day he was born, but he has become increasingly mean to his brother in the last couple of months. Both my oldest and I have started therapy. We are doing therapy separately though. I am seeing a therapist because the issue has brought up some sibling rivalry from my past. I was actually the older and the quite mean perpetrator My son is seeing another counselor who has reported that he truly is sad that he doesn't have more one-on-one time with me. Cue the mom guilt. 
I am feeling very stretched thin and not sure what to do. Each time I try to do one-on-one time with my oldest, the other two children are like moths to a flame. I feel like it's an arms race where all the kids are competing for more and more and more of my time. Our current situation is causing quite a bit of tension. My oldest is feeling sad and neglected. Our middle son is dealing with frustration from his brother and former best friend. My youngest daughter is determined not to be forgotten as well. I feel stretched thin and my husband feels roped into watching the other two kids while I do one-on-one time or helpless because the kids just want me. And these are the main questions that Caitlin added at the end. What are some effective ways I can help fill each of my child's buckets? How can I recognize, compliment, pay attention to one child without making the other ones feel less than? How can I maximize my time in playing with my children? And what is the best way to intervene when my kids are fighting or insulting one another? So much packed in there. And I'm here to help you out because I know firsthand, I've got four kids. I get it. It's really upsetting when kids are not getting along. And I also know how it feels to feel like, oh my gosh, it all revolves around me. It's all my shoulder and I'm overwhelmed. So I'm so glad that you reached out for help. And I hope we can dig down together and get to some good strategies and solutions together. So let's jump in first. I have my 3D parent approach. And the first thing I always try to do when problem solving issues is to get my sense of direction. That's one of my D's in my 3D parent approach. And the way I do that is by kind of doing the scan, the situation, kind of get to the root of what's going on in three different categories. So I have my three questions. Is it me? Is it my child or children? Is it us? Meaning like our relationships. So let's Mm -hmm. dig down a little bit and first figure out based on what you shared in your kind of summary of the challenges, but also just in thinking about right now, what's going on for you? Is it me? Is the problem something having to do with me? Would you say, yes, there's stuff going on that is like my issues that I need to kind of figure out how to solve. What do you think, Caitlin? I think I'm definitely a piece of the puzzle. I am feeling stretched in life as Mm -hmm. well. And Mm -hmm. so adding one more thing on my to-do list doesn't feel great. You know, it doesn't, I feel kind of guilty feeling obligated to spend time with my son. I love him and I want to be with him, but I'm not sure how. There's like some resistance there. Almost like, okay, I need to, I want to spend more time with him. I know that's part of what he needs, but like, oh, I'm just one person. I'm already feel like overextended. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have never really excelled at the imaginative play. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, if he's like, Hey mom, can we do Harry Potter Lego figurines? There's a piece of me that goes, no. (laughs) Okay. So there's part of it that like your, what your mindset is around like what that one-on-one time might look like is like, I don't really love doing some of the things that I think he wants to do or that I imagine will be part of this one-on-one time. So a little bit of that kind of like resistance just because like, it's not something that's natural and you're not alone in that, you know? I mean, there's yeah. certain activities that are just fun and natural and things we like doing with our kids. And then there's what they want to do and it's not always compatible. So I get that. What else do you think is going on for you in terms of where are these challenges what impacts you personally as the mom in this situation? Yeah, well, I think you 
you articulated it really well. You know, I don't feel great at play, right? Mm -hmm. I know how to clean the house. I know how to run the errands and get the grocery shopping done. That's more my wheelhouse, but I don't really know how to pretend play. And I don't know how to measure whether it worked or I'm done. So it's felt like sometimes I'll play and I think, oh, I did such a great job. And they're just hungry for more. Like I even, you know, fueled the fire for them to want more. And I'm like, no, that wasn't the point. (laughs) Got it. it. Like, oh gosh, I didn't want more of that. Oh no. I've got it. So it's like kind of almost like your comfort level. And also what I'm also picking up is how you are kind of defining like what they need in terms of like, oh, this more of this one-on-one time in your mind, it's almost like it looks like that. It looks like imaginative play. It looks like the things that your kids like to do, like building a Harry Potter Lego or something like that. That is what you're thinking of in terms of, okay, so what is needed is more of that. And it's something that I don't really necessarily feel good at or like enjoy doing. So would you say that's a pretty fair summary? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, as you're asking these questions, I'm thinking, I also just sort of have this parenting belief that kids you know, if they can play on their own, that's a good thing. And I might be coming in and overbearing and taking away their creativity. And so I kind of prided myself on the fact that I'm there, they know there if they need any help, but they can just imagine and play on their own. I really liked that, you know, during COVID, we just had craft stuff everywhere. And they did we got through that way, but I just handed them the paper and the pens. I didn't have to draw with them. Yeah. <laughs> so got this it. Is new territory in some ways. So it sounds like we're also pushing up against some of your philosophy or like what you believe is what's best for kids is that they, you not be involved necessarily like directing their play that they should be more playing on their own. And that that's not something that necessarily that is part of what, you think necessarily is even what's best for kids in terms of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. I hadn't thought of that, but (laughs) yeah, that's, well, that's helpful because all of this is kind of thinking about what's getting in the way, what feels hard, what feels overwhelming. And some of it is like real understand like time, right? We only have so much time and you have three kids in this busy life and household. So some of it is like super like, Oh, I get what's getting in the way. It feels like it's just another thing on the calendar totally relatable. But as you start kind of digging a little bit deeper and say, what are the holdups for me? It seems like we're starting to recognize some things that are like also getting in the way. And this is judgment-free zone here. These are really important for you to start identifying what's going on there for you that makes you feel like, oh God, this is not enjoyable. And this is really helpful information in terms of us kind of working together to troubleshoot and problem solve. There's like zero judgment. It's like, some parents are like, well, hey, free for all. And they can't figure out how to make dinner happen at a certain time. You know, I yeah. would maybe a little bit be kind of more in that category. <laughs> you know? Play creativity. I'm like diving. I'm like, gosh, do I have yeah. to do this? You know, grocery shopping. Right. Eh. The to-do um, list. Yeah, yeah, we all have our natural strengths. We all have our natural challenges. And the main thing is my goal is to help you troubleshoot what's getting in the way and then help you come up with a solution that feels like, it's part of who you are. It's not, okay, Bevan says I need to sit on the floor and play, you know, pretend with my kid for 15 minutes because that's what a good mom does. No, you know, yeah. that might be what some moms do, but if that's not who you are, 
you're not going to feel this like intuitive, like draw towards connecting with your child in that way. Mm-hmm. But there are some other ways that you're going to be able to say, oh yeah, I totally feel comfortable in this more natural um, draw towards connecting with my kids in these ways that might be even more effective because you're in it. It's not just another thing I have to do. It's something that actually is a great place that works out for both you and your children. So that's great. The other things in terms of that kind of, is it me that I, that I kind of distilled from your write-up was that there's some other stuff going for you that we're not going to go into a lot of details or depth on, but just jumped out at me in terms of, okay, you've got some past wounds and some unresolved kind of a feelings related to sibling rivalry from your past. So that's something that's yours, that you're owning, that Mm -hmm. you're working with someone to address, but it is impacting kind of this response that you have to your kids when they have conflict. So it's something on your end that you're working through. You're already working through it with support, which is yay. Caitlin, thumbs up. And the other part is their tendency to feel really triggered by your oldest going after the younger ones and getting into this, like this tendency to kind of almost like side or come to the defense Mm -hmm. of kids. You just feel this kind of instinctive mama bear go off. Which is really natural. It's a natural response. You know, something is harming your young and you go into those mama bear responses that oftentimes are almost like alarmed responses Mm -hmm. because it's almost like a cougar is attacking the young. And so you almost go into that like primitive response for a second, forgetting, oh, it's my other child who's struggling. Yeah. Who's too great. Not, not, a, yeah. not a tiger. Right. So that's somewhat, I think, part of what's impacting too, based on your write-up, just kind of this triggered response to seeing this fighting happening between your between the siblings. Absolutely. And what's also coming up are two things. I also just really love together time with my whole family. When things work well and our family of five is like harmoniously together, that is my happy place. And so it's hard for me to sort of like person off one by one. I just want us to all be happy together all the time, which is unrealistic. But, and then also I really feel helpless in how to intervene when the two older, especially, are at conflict with one another. I feel like what I do seems to antagonize the situation, just as you said, the mama bear coming to the rescue. And so that's really uncomfortable for me. I just want everyone to get along. That's really helpful because what's going on for you in that moment is a sense of helplessness and a sense of I'm ill-equipped to be able to effectively intervene. And so you're going into this like primitive response, the cougar is attacking the young because you're kind of in this mode of heightened alarm, somewhat fed by the sense of, I don't know what to do. And so you're just going on instinct and kind of reactiveness as opposed to kind of feeling, I know who I need to be in this moment. I know how to intervene in a way that is not going to continue to perpetuate and increase maybe some negative feelings between the kids, but I can intervene in a way that will not further fuel those dynamics. So that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, parent coaching is, we're spending most time in this category, especially because I'm here to support you so you can support your kids because you're the answer. You and your husband are the answer. And so if you're feeling right now, like I don't have the answers, I don't know what to do in these moments. I'm going to help you by the end of this coaching session, feel a bit more like I know what to do in those moments and feel more empowered and therefore able to kind of keep those reactive responses more in control. 
Attention struggling parents. Are you feeling at your wit's end with your kids, unsure of every parenting decision you make? Are you desperate for guidance and support to navigate the turbulent waters of raising your children? It's time to break free from your parenting overwhelm. Introducing the lifeline you've been searching for, 3D Parent Coaching. As a certified parent coach and empathetic ally, I understand the frustration and desperation you're experiencing. That's why I'm here with a comprehensive solution to meet your current needs. Here's what's included in the 3D Parent Coaching Package. First, you get seven one-on-one coaching sessions filled with insights and strategies from the 3D Parent Approach based on the latest research in developmental psychology, attachment theory, and neuroscience. Second, you get a personalized parenting reference book. No more time wasted reading dozens of parenting books, strolling social media searching for answers from content creators, or trying to navigate confusing and often conflicting parenting advice. Your personalized parenting reference book is tailored to your family's unique needs, providing a roadmap to sanity and success. And if that wasn't already enough, you also get coaching support between sessions. You heard me right. The coaching package includes access to on-call, one-on-one parent support between coaching sessions via an easy-to-use app. Don't let desperation define your parenting journey any longer. To find out if working together in a parent-coach partnership is a good mutual fit, book a complimentary parent coaching consultation today by clicking the link in the show notes. Together, we'll simplify parenting and lead you towards a future of confident and connected parenting. I'm looking forward to meeting you soon. So the second scan the situation question. So is it me now or is it my child or children? So thinking Mm -hmm. primarily about your oldest, since that seems to be kind of what you identify as being kind of like the root I've got like the sibling dynamics that are not working out well. And, and so looking at who he is, I noticed that in your write-up, you talked about that he has this kind of ongoing perception of not having enough contact, closeness, one-on-one time. You That's kind of always been there. And that more recently yeah. it's gotten to, a, it feels like it's gotten more intense and he's expressing more sadness. That's where this is stemming from, which is really, really helpful information there. Thinking about the fact that this is, as you identified, kind of always always been a thing, you know, back when maybe your family was growing and you were having your second child, then your third, it's always kind of been a thing. Can you remember back to before you had your second born? Was he kind of also still like the kid who was always like in your shadow, like always want to know where, where mama is, like kind of couldn't handle you being out of sight? That's even before there was another sibling there. Is that part of yeah. who he was as a little one? Absolutely. I mean, we were attached at the hip. I, I thought, oh no, I won't co-sleep. And you know, (laughs) two nights later, he was right next to me and he was attached. I kind of came out that way. I was a more anxious mom at first than I thought. So I might've just passed that anxiety. But I remember the first time ever driving away from him, I actually felt like my heart was being like, ripped out of my chest. Like I could yeah. like feel the umbilical cord stretching still. And so he's just always, he was the child that fell asleep, nuzzled into me, whereas my other children would fall asleep and roll away. And he actually has that scarcity mindset for mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. He has a, a lot stronger, maybe being the firstborn sense of ownership of toys and things and kind of always wanting more. 
is he, would you also say that he's like just in general, more sensitive in nature, has bigger reactions to his emotions than other kids? Or now you have two others to kind of like think back and reflect upon. Does he have the more intense emotions to everything from separation, from anything that might stir him up, frustration? Is that kind of part of his nature too? Yeah, he actually, he's incredibly emotional and he's actually incredibly articulate and in tune with his emotions. He names things that are going on interpersonally better than I do, but he's not a huge emoter of emotions. Ever since he was a little kid, he's actually very regulated with them. And so he will really stuff and stuff until things um, are wrapped and he goes to sadness more. Mm -hmm. My middle is I would say more of a hothead and more Mm -hmm. anger. And he has an easier job kind of releasing his emotions, my older. So actually the fact that he's sort of, I would say verbally insulting in like a deep, mean way to Mm -hmm. his younger brother completely fits how he processes his emotions. You know, he really takes it deep and he gets really angry, but he'll show it very stoically almost. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that he's really good at being able to kind of, like you said, stuff down, not react in the moment. But what we know about emotion is that emotion we experience. We don't get to control our emotions. We experience them, right? And then how we express them or keep ourselves from expressing them starts to be something that people figure out. And some of that Mm -hmm. isn't really necessary to navigate life, right? We can't just have a meltdown whenever we're upset. That doesn't work real well. But nevertheless, that emotion is still being experienced. So if it's being stuff, 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 it's going to come out somewhere. And the most popular easy target is siblings. (laughs) So it's like the result of the frustration. I got to put it somewhere. And so it comes out in these ways, in this attacky way, which is really kind of coming from this kind of like frustration that might be feeling around things like not getting as much time as I want with my mom. So that makes sense about what might be going on for him and his temperament and being super emotionally aware, which is such a gift. Not a lot of kids have that ability at his age and stage, but also probably being a kid who tends to kind of keep those feelings inside, but then they kind of grow and fester and are coming out in some behaviors driven by frustration. The last scan of situation question, is it us, our relationship? So we've kind of talked about this dynamic of this, oh my gosh, almost perceiving the, the older one as being kind of like the victimizer and the middle one being the victim. And then you, the parent is the rescuer. There's actually a term for this It's called the Cartman triangle. It is a oh. you know, dysfunctional family system. Yay. Very common. <laughs> you know, okay. Very, very common. So it's not like, yeah, good luck with that. No, it's super common, but it kind of comes into play okay. when things are not working, where it kind of already plays a role. And it can get really, yeah. really hard for people to get out of those roles. And it's going to take somebody no longer participating in that. And that's going to be you because you having to kind of reframe the way you're thinking about these moments. So you don't immediately go into this mode. And again, like we already talked about, it's probably driven from this sense of like panic and I don't know what to do. I'm helpless. So you're going into this mode. We're going to get you out of that today so that you're not going right into this because that triangle can get really, really problematic the longer it persists because then everybody plays their roles. 
And you Mm -hmm. have the younger ones that are just like, I'm the victim, I'm helpless. And they're always waiting for someone to rescue them. And then you have a child who's been cast in the role of like the bad guy, which of course we don't, your oldest is not the bad guy, but in these dynamics, in these moments, that's the, that's the role he's playing. So we got to break this apart and no longer participate in, in that for that reason. And then the other thing that seems to be really going on in terms of the, the relationship dynamics in the, fa- in the family is this kind of reaction to these perceived like limits of resources, in particular access to your attention and your compliments, your praise. All of that tends to be kind of wrapped up into part of the dynamic in play that everybody's kind of like, oh, there's not enough of mom. So we all have to constantly fight for our access and therefore Mm -hmm. focus on who's getting not enough, who's getting too much, who's the lack of fairness in, in the distribution of you as the primary resource. Anything else that you think might be going on in terms of the, is it us question, the dynamic as a whole with the family that we haven't touched on already? No, I just think you're right that I'm very much going into that sort of mama bear because I can kind of play it forward. You know, 25 years, my sister and I, I was the older and we have repaired that relationship. But I sort of go like, oh, no, don't make the mistake we did, you guys. And so I do. I go into panic mode and not really knowing how to intervene at all. Sure. And it may be a little bit of kind of like, you projecting kind of your experience yes. onto the kids yes. and kind of getting into this, like, oh gosh, this is going to happen. We've got to stop this from happening or something like that. Yeah. And I think uh, no blame on my parents. I think it was a different parenting time, but there was no intervention. It was just, you guys work it out, figure oh, yeah. it out. I don't want to hear about it. And oh, so yeah. I'm <laughs> not wanting to leave either of my children unsupported in that way. Absolutely. I want to try to step in. This concludes part one of this recorded parent coach session with Caitlin. We have now gone through and teased apart the different aspects at play with the various challenges that Caitlin is experiencing and now have a better sense of direction to guide us in our problem solving. But you're going to have to wait for next week with episode 95, where you'll hear part two of this parent coach session where together with Caitlin, we talk through some strategies and solutions that will empower her to meet the needs of her family and find more peace and fulfillment as a side bonus. I hope you'll tune in next week for that special follow-up episode.